I am Will McHenry, the program associate at Ponars Eurasia, and with us today is Dimitri Gorenberg, a senior research scientist at CNA Corporation and associate at the Davis Center for Russian and Eurasian Studies at Harvard University. Dimitri, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Sure, my pleasure. What is the nature of Russia's influence operations in Europe and the United States? Well, Russia has a pretty varied uh, set of uh, operations that are tailored for each country. They focus on uh, trying to divide societies and uh, within each country and also governments from each other. So uh, it's not a lot of them are not so much about uh, pushing a narrative that's pro-Russian, but it's more about uh, trying to obfuscate uh, the the narratives that are happening in the country, and uh, the the most effective operations are the ones where they're effectively kind of pushing on an open door, so they're uh, pushing societies in a direction that is already uh, a direction that part of the society is heading in, and we saw a good example of this with the 2016 election in the United States, where it it was. Uh, trying to encourage certain kinds of narratives that were maybe more populist, more uh, anti-globalist and so forth, and, and, and encouraging that. How is Russia using its increased military power to increase its international status? Well, uh, it's, uh, for Russia, a lot of its foreign policy is based on uh, regaining the respect that it lost in the uh, at the end of the Soviet Union. So, the uh, and one of the, uh, the the perception of the leadership is that one of the reasons it had this respect was that it was a military superpower and the only one that could compete with the United States. So it has sought to rebuild uh, the military in an effort to uh, be a player again uh, on the international sphere, especially because in the Russian perceptions in the 90s when it was military, militarily weak, it was ignored by the United States, by the international community. So uh, a lot of the, uh, the uses of the military from, uh, on, uh, certainly on, on Russia's borders, Russia perceives as defensive. So uh, NATO is in, uh, surrounding Russia and Therefore, it needs to respond, and so you, the Ukraine operation, the Georgia operation, were along those lines. The Syria operation, which is the most recent one, is a bit different because that is really uh, using the military to, in just the way I described initially, uh, to break out of um, isolation uh, internationally. Post Ukraine, nobody would uh, talk to Russian leaders; they were considered kind of a semi-pariah, um, and by inserting its military into Syria and changing the balance of power internally within Syria, within the war there, uh, Russia inserted itself into the conversation. And because the United States and Turkey and various other powers were already involved there, uh, the United States uh, and these others had no choice but to talk to Russia in order to deconflict, if nothing else. And so use that as kind of as a wedge to uh, both to get back onto the international stage and also to increase its its influence in, in the Middle East. 
To what extent does Vladimir Putin single-handedly rule Russia? Well, this is a, this is a big question that uh, uh, it's hard to get a definitive answer on. Uh, but what we do see more and more is indications uh, that whereas he started, uh, let's say, in, the, uh, in, the, in his first two terms as kind of uh, a balancer among rival clans. Uh, so uh, where his, his, uh, his authority and his decision was the final one, but he had to take into account these other clans. Uh, this still happens to some extent, but the clan base has become narrower and narrower so that it's uh, primarily now focused on the FSB elites. And so it's the security people that still have influence. There are other um, clans like the, 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 the so-called liberal economists. I'm not sure how liberal they actually are, but, but they're the, 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 the ones that are more focused on market economics uh, who have been kind of demonstratively put down over the last year or two years maybe. Uh, and we saw this with the uh, trial and imprisonment of Ulukayev, one of the, the, the ministers, uh, the economics ministers, uh, who um, got into a conflict with, uh, with Igor Sechin, who was one of the security types. So uh, the uh, Putin uh, is still, is not the di a dictator of the, um, I don't know, the, the sort of the stereotype where he can just decide anything he wants. He has constraints based on these corporate uh, interests uh, that uh, different groups have. Uh, unfortunately, for for uh, for Russia and for for the international international politics, the corporate interest that's become dominant in recent years is the security one, and that's why, uh, to my mind, why we're seeing more repressions, a more confrontational uh, international policy, and so forth. Uh, but it's not a question of just Putin having decided this. It's, it's more complex than that. Fascinating. Dimitri, uh, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Happy to do it.